uh, welcome to the Movie Quest podcast. We are still in quarantine, uh, but we are together over the power of the internet. So with me here today is Anthony McLaughlin. Hello. And Fez, I mean Aaron. Hello. Fez. Um, well, that's what your screen name is on disc- on uh, Zoom. It's Aaron's new look, isn't it? He's going for the new look. He's got the he shaved his, his beard and he's got his moustache and he's going for that Fez look. So how how's everyone doing? Yeah, really good. Yeah, yeah. Just keeping on, keeping on. Keeping yeah, on, good. keeping on. So, um yeah, over the past couple of weeks we've been exploring the world of films that revolve around a watery setting and this is the last entry into that where we'll be talking about Agia, Wrath of God. But first, before we get into that, have we been watching anything recently in these last few busy weeks? Um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll start. I'll start. I've got some stuff. I've got some stuff. Um, so you guys were talking about um, Toy Story. Oh, yeah, Toy Story 4. Yeah. Heather and I have managed to watch Toy Story 1, 2, 3, and 4. <laughs> wow, you can tell you guys are off work, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, Heather's 30th birthday, and um, we've been sort of talking about watching them for a wee while so we recently got Disney Plus and thought you know why not let's just do it so we finished Toy Story 4 on Saturday I think it was Saturday or Sunday basically you guys were right um, the animation is beautiful like it's ridiculous how good it looks mm. yeah it does look top it just like it steps it up every single time you think it can't get any better and then like from 3 it looked incredible and then 4 was just like Flipping heck, <laughs> so like, good. I, I totally, like, I echo your thoughts on like spending time in certain places and like a lot of the things that you guys have issues with. I guess I had issues with too, but my biggest issue is that like, do they need to keep doing Toy Story? Like, I don't really. Well, I mean, if it, make, if it can make a good film out of it, then you know, why not? It it was it was good. It just wasn't like great. I would, I don't know. I don't think it'll stick with me very long compared to the, its predecessors. Other than the fact that it looked absolutely beautiful, like the character design. And I think because we watched it in such a quick stint, like the first one, the mouths were terrible and like didn't really work. Yeah, but it still holds up as a film, doesn't it? You still oh, yeah. Watch it. I, I think it's still one of the best. It, um, it was almost like a, a child's version of Uncut Gems. Just like the stress level of Woody trying oh. to get like Forky back, like oh, right. yeah. I think like oh this is quite this is actually quite stressful, <laughs> like him trying to be like oh no I need to get Forky back because it's the girl's like favorite toy. Yeah, I'm just like okay yeah I mean I understand that as a story, but I'm sure they could have come up with something a bit more. Did you recognize who the, the two new bunnies were? Yeah yeah yeah, Key Key, Key and Peel. Yeah, quite quite enjoyed that. Those and Canoe, uh, Canoe was also in it. Canoe Reeves. Did he Did was... you watch the end bit with the the bunnies in? Yeah, so good. Yeah, with yeah. the lasers, yeah. the eyes and stuff. Yeah, I, I, I think like the other thing is like because Heather and I were talking about it was that um, I think three was quite funny, whereas this one was a bit bit more somber. Like it wasn't it's as more of an funny. adventure sort of thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Very um, more focused on the action, I guess, yeah. 
than than the rest. But I yeah. feel like it, it it's it's because I think it, it's been heavily influenced from like Lego Movie and stuff. Mm. And they've taken, oh yeah, yeah. You not from the comedy shit. wise, but from like the amount of like action they shoved in there. There's a lot more going on. I think. Yeah. More like high stakes sort of thing. You can sort um, of see it as like, especially to what, 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 obviously how it ends. You can sort of see where they're going to take the franchise. Maybe if they want to keep on doing it. If they want to keep on doing it, which yeah. I guess they will, maybe. This is I a mean, shame, really. I think they should. They can't, I think they should probably just leave it where it is. Me unless, too. Unless e- they have each, some really good idea for it, but each one feels very like resolute, doesn't it? Like it feels like it's finishing it off, and then like, oh no, we've got another premise. And I do like the fact that they brought Bo Peep back. Like I thought she was quite a cool character. Wasn't really a fan of like Gabby. I didn't really get her. I mean, I did, but like I just. Wasn't they into need, her need a line. relatable bad guy, don't they? Yeah, I think the the big scary bear that he smelled like strawberries was a bit of a better better bad guy in my opinion. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we've been watching that, and um, and I've been getting my teeth into season three of Westworld, which is oh, just. I, I saw a thread on Reddit today that was like really high up on Reddit for episode five. I suppose I mean I have no idea what it's about. I've not watched any of it. But when I, cause when I saw that, I was like, oh, I must have been like some sort of big deal or whatever because it was like people were talking about it. So, yeah. Is it worth going back to? Like, I really didn't, I really fell out of like love of it towards the end of last season. So, it- what I really like about this season compared to the previous one, because I think season one was the best because it's set in obviously Westworld, so it was like a Western. And then season two felt very much like it was building like a the big oh, plot. Yeah to where season three was going to go. But I love that season three is a bit more futuristic. I think the addition with Aaron Paul is really, really good. Like he Aaron does... Aaron Paul's in this. Aaron Paul's in it. And <laughs> he fits so he fits so well into like that sort of thriller. He should just do these sorts, sorts of TV shows like Breaking Bad or, or, or Westworld because I think his acting style and the way that he... he right does things just really fits well and it's just really good and I just it has that really it has like a real um, oh I don't know like futuristic vibe to it um, <clears throat> kind of you know there's Blade Runner tones in, in it um, the music is phenomenal the production is phenomenal the acting is phenomenal is it a lot like, more CG high budget this time because obviously no. it's futuristic and stuff or... oh yeah okay yeah 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 I mean, obviously they're using like you, a normal city backdrop. Do you see? Because I think at the end, well, the spoilers, I guess, for season two. But at the end of season two, they basically escape into the real world, don't they? Uh huh. Well, mm, yeah. Well. Oh, okay. Right. Did did they? Right. Okay. Well. Um. One thing that drove me insane with the last two seasons is they like it felt like they were just they had some sort of idea of where they wanted to go, but they were just sort of like teasing you the whole time, and mm-hmm. it felt very very wishy-washy in terms of its logic and it's like what they were trying to do and some of the stuff didn't really make any sense I don't know and I, I, I sort of there was a couple of good episodes like I really enjoyed the episode where it was almost like a lost episode where um, like the TV show Lost but where where they went and they found it was like the whole episode about the guy trying to recreate the, the owner of the of of the company yeah. And like him and that rope, the the android or whatever, losing its mind over time and constantly trying it over and over and over again. That mm-hmm. whole like one episode was like really nice, like sort of its own standalone thing. But then a lot of the rest of it, I like, get some of the, some of the Japanese stuff was really cool. Really enjoyed that. Yeah, it's really good. But um, yeah, I've, I just kind of felt 
but found it really tough to watch because just sort of felt like it was just trying to tease too much and not really get to the point. I think because this is his final season, I don't think they've decided they're not going to do any more. Oh, really? I think okay. so. I could be I could be wrong. They might do one more. Um, but it feels like there's an end goal this time, and like it really feels like they're pushing towards something. Um, and there's a lot of like different factions sort of pitted against each other. It's really cool. Like, cool. I'm really enjoying it. So those are my my two. What have you been watching? So, what about you guys? What have you been watching? So there's been a couple of things I've been watching. Uh, like Aaron, I've got Disney Plus recently. And mm. I've been watching The World According to Jeff Goldblum. Yes. Uh, <laughs> which, it, each, it's kind of like mini popcorn documentaries about various different things. So the first episode's about uh, trainers or sneakers. And like there's an episode on tattoos, there's an episode on denim, and there's an episode on ice cream. And it's just like really fun, easy watching. Like it's got a massive Disney budget because they just fly around all over the place for each half an hour episode, and it's mm. like filmed really beautifully. Um, I would and, imagine so. And it's just about like regular kind of things and just like finding the origin and going into like more in depth about like subcultures of like tattoos and trainers and stuff. So in the tattoo episode. They go to this place in America where they have a Jeff Goldblum tattoo festival, and everyone's got tattoos of Jeff Goldblum all over the all over the bodies and stuff. It's really easy watching. It's like good for like when you're having your dinner or something, and you just got like half an hour. You want to watch something, and Jeff Goldblum's just weirdest guy. Like makes everyone kind of feel like really uneasy. <laughs> just like like even like the most confident person will go up to him, and then he'll make him feel like really weird. Um, so it's worth it just watching it for that. The, there's a podcast I used to listen to called the uh, the Idle Thumbs, and they were obsessed with Jeff Goldblum. They'd always bring him up, and one of the guys they worked with, they worked with um, a what his name was. Uh, he was a video game designer, an independent video game designer, and he made a game called Thirty Flights of Loving, and um, he did a mod for people who were part of the podcast, where he they basically took. Every vocal like clip from the game was replaced with a Jeff Goldblum sort of noise or like <laughs> not a word but just like a uh huh hmm that sort of <sighs> stuff like and it was like the entire you could play through the entire game and it would just be loads of like uh huh hmm there's there's all definitely this, all this weirdness of each half an hour episode there's definitely five minutes of those sounds um, <laughs> but yeah like, it's it's the sort of thing you could like we could finish recording this podcast and you could just chuck on and it's just really easy watching. But it's quite fun and interesting. I've watched Tiger King. Uh, oh, which, wait, have you watched the whole series? Uh, I've not seen the new episode because I've shared my Netflix account with some people. And this is the first time I've gone to use it and been like, ah, oh, someone else is watching it. So uh, I, could, I, could, I couldn't watch um, the new episode. The new, the new episode is just interviews with the people, some of the people afterwards. Right, okay. It's not like it's not like a proper episode, I don't think. Yeah, I, I saw it and I, I clicked to play it last night and uh, I wasn't able to. Uh, but for those who don't know, I'm just going to do a very quick recap because I'm sure people. Yeah, I've I've also watched this show as well. Have you watched it all? Yeah. Right, yeah, okay. So um, basically, the show revolves around a character called Joe Exotic, who's the owner of like a big cat wildlife park, and just to give you an idea of what he looks like, he's got like a 
blonde mullet. Um, he's got two husbands, and he carries like a pistol on his on his waist. Uh, he wears like the most flamboyant. He he buys apparently he buys a lot of his like um, a lot of his clothing from like magician shops and stuff. Because <laughs> he wears like just the weirdest types of clothes. But like he's like some sort of mag- cowboy magician. He looks like yeah. I think he was he was a magician at one point, wasn't he? Um, yeah, no, yeah, he was a magician. He did like tricks with animals and stuff. He's got like a big handlebar mustache as well. But it's quite mm. thin looking. So if you've got that image of a person in your mind, and it. The show mainly revolves around him and him running this wildlife park. And the first couple of episodes sort of revolve around that. And then there is a murder that gets introduced about uh, someone who owns another rival uh, wildlife park. And there's also a plot to kill somebody as well. So without sort of spoiling it too much, I'm sure a lot of people are watching it or have watched it. But yeah probably recommend it it's kind of a bit different to like making a murderer and uh those kind of shows because it's more more to do with like joe and how he lives his life and how peculiar it is rather than all about particular murder and Mm. like a a police drama so i think it's it's kind of a bit lighter in that aspect but it's still got that level of criminality about it what did you think ant yeah i mean yeah, you're right. It mostly, it mostly centers around Joe Exotic, but it sort of explores a lot of these different people who own big cats and own like wildlife, like exotic wildlife. And it centers, like, I think, base. I think it's about what is his zoo. There's another zoo back called Doc. Uh, guy who owns a zoo called Doc Antler, I think his name is. And then there's another sort of rescue zoo, which is um, run by this, this lady who who him who. The lady and Joe Exotic have a bit of a like, uh, ongoing um, disagreement Carol between each other. That's the one. Um, but I mean, like when I first watched it, I was going to talk about this the other day when we were going to record. First time we're going to record this episode, but we couldn't because Johnny's internet died. Um, but I was going to talk about it then. I would only watched like two or three episodes at that point, and I was thinking, yeah, it's it's all right, but it's like it's not amazing so it doesn't really do anything like that incredible i'm not quite wasn't quite sure what all the fuss was about and why everyone was going so crazy for it it felt like a extended version of a of a loo through episode where the where then they came across other stories that that they managed to dig up and it made it a bit more interesting i'd say if you if you like something like i don't know if you guys have watched the king of kong you know the documentary about the donkey kong players so that that documentary it's got loads of weird characters similar to this in, in parts of America. And you sort of find out about this whole world of like arcade machines and high scores and that sort of, sort of stuff for like sort of the video games, high score for the 80s. Um, you find out about all these different people. But in that documentary, it's an hour and a half long and there's like, there's a bad guy and there's a good guy and you're sort of like rooting for the good guy. In this documentary, you sort of can't root for any of them because they're all terrible human beings pretty much. Like, and you, it, I don't know. I I I found it hard. I I feel of... I feel slightly sorry for Joe. Obviously, he's done some terrible nah. things. Nah, 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 nah. He's a bad man. But, <laughs> no, yeah, but I I still feel like sorry for him in in some way. I know a lot of like when you go on Reddit, there's a lot of people who say off camera he was a really horrible person, and Netflix have made him to be like a nicer guy on for the TV show rather than than he is in real life, but. You can only go off what you see. Well, what I'm seeing on the TV show, I mean, we can't be getting to it without spoiling it, but like, I don't know. He uh, 
he was a very manipulative bloke and yeah, I don't, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, like, I found, I struggled to, to like any, like, the thing about, like, a Louis Free documentary, you've always got Louis to sort of root for sort of thing and you, you yeah, yeah, yeah. he can always like nice poke and prod the people he's interviewing, but obviously with this, you sort of saw the documentary filmmaker a little bit, but not that much. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was, it's an interesting story, but it felt a little bit long as well. I feel like it could have been about half the length of the show and it would, probably would have been fine. I, I, like, I, I thought, it was, I thought it, was it was a good length. Seven it, episodes? It, like, the first three episodes focus on like that weird wildlife community and then the last sort of four was based around like a murder plot. So I think it was yeah. fairly... I well felt like balanced. it was stretched out too much, but... Yeah, I mean, I think there's better documentaries out there though for like that do more specific things. Whereas this sort of was doing a lot of different bits, and it also had a bit of Jerry Springer shoved in there. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, I'm probably not going to watch it. Just FYI. The thing is, it's one of those things that will probably be like because it's part of the cultural zeitgeist or whatever. Everyone will know about it and reference it. So uh-huh. there'll definitely be people dressed up as Joe Exotic or. The other characters and stuff for like Halloween and things. And uh-huh. I don't know. Maybe you'll miss out. Oh, oh no! Yeah, <laughs> just like I mean, the hype around it. Like people have been like, "Oh yeah, you like it, you like it." But I mean, I've watched a couple of trailers. I've heard people talk about it, like yourselves, and it just doesn't strike me as something that I would massively, massively get into. Like I do like making a murder stuff like that, and I do find documentaries like this quite interesting, but. I have so much TV and so many movies to watch. I just this is like bottom of my my list if it is on the list at all. I think I've just got too much to get through. So sorry. That's, no one's pushing it down no. your throat. It's fine. But I'm glad you guys are enjoying it. It's good. It was alright. It's definitely. I think it's better than alright. I think I think it's quite enjoyable, but it's quite popular as well. So what, what are you trying to say, Johnny? <laughs> You trying to say I don't like popular things? I'm just, I'm just saying it's quite popular. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, your, your film choice isn't a popular one, so. <laughs> John. So, Ant, have you been watching anything? Uh, yeah, I've watched a few things. I'm just going to talk about probably one, one thing, and I'll, I'll leave the other stuff next week. Um, so I watched a film that's got suddenly gone. Everyone's it's resurfaced recently, and everyone's talking about it. Well. Everyone is watching it according to the Netflix top ten list. I watched the 2011 film Contagion. So this, oh right, yeah. yeah. So this yeah, is years ago. It's directed by Steven Soderbergh. It's a film about a pandemic, um, and it just basically follows you. You basically see from the start of the pandemic, and then the process of what hap- what happens in the pandemic and. Um, and how you know, how it would spread fairly quickly throughout the America or, and the rest of the world, and then the, the the things they put in place. And it's it's I mean if 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 it wasn't for the fact that we were in a in a pandemic pandemic ourselves, I would still think this is probably quite quite interesting just to see. But you're always going to be like, oh, is that actually what's going to happen? And but being able to watch it based on the knowledge of what's happening in the real world is kind of quite interesting. So uh, it basically centers around. There's quite a few characters in it. But it centers around um starts off with Gwyneth, Gwyneth Paltrow and Matt Damon, they're the husband and wife. Um and Gwyneth Paltrow contracts the disease, uh or the virus I say. And um and then they're like the sort of the normal sort of American family dealing with the situation. 
you know, struggling to get food and that, that sort of thing. And then you've got Lawrence Fishburne and Kate Winslet as like the, they're like the people who work for the I guess it's CDC in America. They're on the ground trying to figure out what's going on with the virus, what it is, uh, how they can you know set up trauma centers and that sort of stuff, and they can try and figure out a way to cure it. And then you've got Jude Law, who plays a sort of Alex Jones type, who's basically putting misinformation out there, and he's bigging up sort of fake cures and stuff. That he, but, but like he's got stakes in the company that is selling sort of like the cures and stuff like that, and he's he's like basically saying the government's making it all up and it's all whatever. He's just talking a lot of rubbish. And then you have basically you what you follow through the whole film is following through the pandemic from. The big, right, right from the beginning all the way through to the the end um, I guess and what happens and what happens to society in that in this I mean do you mind if I spoil it a little bit or do you think I mean if, if people want to fast forward go for it it'll be like 30-40 seconds or something like that but basically it goes into how it's a bit more intense in this film like there's more looting and more it's more like violence and um, robbery, robbery, people coming around trying to get food. It starts to feel more like a bit of a post-apocalyptic film, but not not quite there. Um, but yeah, I'd say it's really, really interesting, worth worth watching. I definitely. Uh, and then finally, at the end, you find out how the virus occurred. It's actually kind of interesting um, watching it all as a as a whole, and felt kind of satisfying as well because obviously we don't have all the answers for our current pandemic, but it's sort of. It was kind of interesting to watch to see like them predict a lot of the same things that are happening, but it's not quite as bad as what what you know what what's going on in the film. So it makes you feel a little bit better about the situation <laughs> we're in. Yeah, yeah, at least it's not as bad as those guys. Yeah, like on there on there is like you have a fifty fifty chance of dying if you if you caught it, and you die within like two days of catching it, and you just like, really really quick. So yeah, it was it's 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 pretty. Apparently, a lot of it's based on. Um, I think it's the MERS, uh, the MERS outbreak that they had. Um, anyway, very. I think it's worth watching again if you if you if you've watched it already or if you haven't watched it, definitely give it a watch. So I believe, um, Aaron, we've had some uh, reviews come in. Yeah, we've had a we've had a review, not not reviews. Um, it's titled "Weird and Wonderful," and it was sent in by Heather underscore Wit. Oh, who that is? Yeah. Weird. I mean, my wife is called Heather underscore Whitcroft, but it could be a completely different person. It's, actually. A, it's a coincidence, isn't it? So uh, Heather wrote, uh, I know these guys personally. Oh, it must be Heather. Oh, okay. It must be Heather. Uh, I know these guys personally, but I think this podcast is a very fun listen. From a Johnny quote like, if you were eating a chicken nuggets and one fell behind the sofa and you had to retrieve it, you wouldn't really miss much of the film. <laughs> a controversial statement from Aaron like Oscar Bait or winding the guys up, or plenty of facts and figures from Ant, and his famous quote, for me, so all sum up the kind of banner on the podcast, uh, they know each other, uh, they've known each other since college, and it creates a great dynamic, I enjoy their style of reviewing films, and their arguments of why one film is better than the other, give it a go, and another quote you can look at, and another quote you can look forward to from Johnny is, thanks for watching, I mean listening, dot dot dot, he says that a lot. <laughs> Yeah. Well read, Aaron. Well read. Oh, cheers, mate. Yeah, it's big. <laughs> it's a big review. Look at that, boys. Whoa. So, uh, yeah, reviews help. So send them in, good or bad. Yeah, good or bad. All feedback is welcome. Yeah. If it's it's all right. If it's bad, we'll just report you and do the review. Yeah. 
We'll just delete the we'll just delete the podcast for them to do it again. We're just done. So we're reviewing one of the films from one of the greats of cinema, Werner Herzog, who has recently come into the limelight with his appearance on The Mandalorian. His starring appearance. Yeah. Well, he's, he's in it only a little bit, but uh, for those who are not... He was also in Jack Reach, wasn't he, as well? Uh, he's been in quite a lot of films. I think yeah. a lot of people like... A lot of people who make films like him, so they put him in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Maybe he's just a top lad. Yeah, it's... He's, well, he's quite an interesting chap. Um, he's been shot live on air when speaking to, to Mark Commode. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I think he's been... Well, people have threatened to kill him multiple times. Uh, I think it's just his kind of personality must be quite grating on people. But uh, today we'll be talking about a film called Aguri, Wrath of God. So it came out in 1972. It's 94 minutes long. So I think it's probably one of the shorter awards films that we've uh, watched this season. And it came out with a budget of £370,000. That is nothing, that is it? Which is nothing, con- also considering that one third of that went to the lead star that we'll we'll get like, get into in a little bit. So just to give you a bit of an outline of the film, it follows the travels of a Spanish sold- soldier called Lope de Aguirre, played by... Uh, the Herzog muse Klaus Kinski, who leads a group of Spanish conquistadors down the Amazon River into South America in search of the legendary city of gold known as El Dorado. Just to look at 1972, the other films that came out around that year, The Godfather, Deliverance and The Poseidon Adventure. So I'm sure we've at least seen one of those three films that, that came out. So, have you had any experience of Werner Herzog before, like any of his films? So, I've pretty much only ever seen his documentaries. Uh, actually, that's not true. Uh, I have seen another one of his films, but so I saw Happy People years ago, which is a documentary about a tiny little uh, remote village in Russia. I think it is, which is quite, which is really good. Um, I've seen Grizzly Man. Me too. Brilliant documentary. Similar to guess this Joe Exotic, where the guy pushes his luck a bit too much uh, with dangerous animals. Aaron, have you had any Herzog experience? I've, yeah, I've seen so some of the ones that I mentioned that uh, Ant said that he'd watched. I'd also seen Rescue Don. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. Um, with Christian Bale. Christian Bale. I know he said Gareth Bale then. I think, I think that's it. Like, I'm looking through here, and I mean... I'll, I don't know, and that's it. I think but those are the only ones. He's quite a famous character, isn't he? Like a lot of people have heard of him who are into films. Like he's he has a very intri- he has a very like recognizable voice as well, like the way he speaks and his like point of view on things is like yeah, very it's much quite his unique. Own. Yeah, he's, he's kind of a bit of a, a maverick of sorts in in the film world. Like he will just do things because that's just the way he wants to do it. Um. Another film which is fairly similar to Aguirre is uh, Fitz Calaldo, which I probably mispronounced, but it's set in kind of a similar kind of place around the Amazon where he tries to get this boat over this mountain 
So he's, he drives this boat up this river and tries to like get the actual boat over a mountain and he he does it in real life. He gets this like nine, well, I think it's a 90 ton steamboat and he gets like a, a tribe that are in the jungle to pull it up over the top of this mountain and it took four years for them to actually pull it up and manoeuvre it up over the top of the mountain. So like just the way that he does stuff is just like insane. But that's, I think that's three and a half hours and in German, so I thought I'd save you that and go for something <laughs> a bit you. shorter. Have you seen it, Jaya? Yeah, I've seen it, yeah. It's, it's, what, what made you want to watch it? I think I was in FOP in Manchester and I saw the front cover of it and I read the back of it and I was like, this sounds pretty interesting and I'll give it a go. And that was the first time I'd seen a, nice. a Bernie Herzog film. So that was even before I'd seen Grizzly Man. So... Basically, the the film follows uh, Aguri, who's this kind of main central character, and he is with these conquistadors who are out in the Amazon rainforest trying to find um, uh, this city of gold, which at the start of the film, it says that they don't actually find it. So right in the very beginning, there's like writing that kind of introduces the whole film. And it says that the the mission that they're on is damned to begin with, so that you know from the outset that they're they're not actually going to find it. It's Aguri and this group of conquistadors who split off from the main group to try and get help, really, because they're running out of food and they're running out of resources. So they're sent off down into uh, the Amazon River to try and get help back, but... Aguri sort of turns on everyone and gets everyone to turn in on themselves and tries to go after this city of gold. So what do you, you guys sort of think of Aguri? Did you like him as a character or not really? Like, What were your thoughts of him? He's a pretty ruthless guy, isn't he? He's also got a really interesting look. He's very, it's very recognisable. Straight away you, you, you cotton on to this character. Because there's quite a few different characters, you know, quite a few different characters in the film. But he stands out straight away as being someone you want to look out for. Yeah. Um, I was trying to figure out his relationship with the young girl. It took me about two thirds of the film to realise that it was his daughter. Yeah. But yeah, like he's very ruthless and doesn't want to doesn't suffer fools. He doesn't want he doesn't want to wait wait around for for like the, when the when the friends that get killed off in the on the other boat. He doesn't really want to wait around to like go fetch them and give them a proper burial and stuff and take them with him. He just decides, right, let's just blow them up so we can get on with our our mission. Hmm. He's kind of blinded by the promise of finding this gold, which everyone else apart from him really realises isn't a thing that he's going to be able to attain. And it's kind of his descent into almost like a madness in a way, like trying to get this group of people down this river uh, and trying to find this gold. Apparently, Werner Herzog like, made him do the takes about 30 times because he wanted to do them really like energetically and really maddening, whereas after 30 takes, he was like really downbeat and kind of exhausted. And you can sort of see that in his face that a lot of the time he just looks like really mm. exhausted, but he's still trying to be a bit mad. So he's, there's like a really weird atmosphere on on all the takes that everyone's sort of exhausted, like in a shining uh, type mood, I guess. It feels like everyone is threatened by him mm. and the rest of the crew. 
so if we just talk about the production, uh, they didn't use any stunt team or anything like that. They're all just regular actors who were actually in the Amazon jungle. So it was filmed in Peru. And just, well, the opening shots open at the bottom of Machu Picchu. So they're walking along this, like, ridge and it's all just real footage. There's no trickery done. There's actors who are carrying this princess in, like, a little box and they're, like, moving her down this ridge and it's just, like, you're looking at it and you just think, you know, when you go on a walk and someone's taking you the wrong way and you end up in a bog, it's like that, but in a film, like, in real life and, like, <laughs> that's what he's making all this film cast do. And you just think, I, I can relate to that, being on walks with various people, uh, being in terrible situations. Aaron, what, what, what did you have anything to say about the character, Agera? Um, I think I think I find him quite um, caricaturic, yeah, quite gimmicky. Like, I mean, I guess like maybe because that's I'm looking at it through modern day cinema yeah. and stuff. Like maybe back then it was dead edgy and dead cool, but I was like, All right, he looks like a caricature. You also looking at it from a like a modern lens versus versus like him as an actual like I don't know when when was this film set. Uh, it was in the 1500s. 1800s. Oh, 1500s, sorry. Yeah, I mean, he's a bit of an ass, really. I don't, I, I just, it's weird. Like, I think with people who are in sort of positions of power, like they either tend to, in film or whatever, they either tend to be really ruthless or they tend to be like really likable characters. He just fits on the ruthless side of things. So that's why p- people who were also assholes rallied around him. Um, that's how I felt. I mean, just talking about like the production and like the intro though, like um, one of the few bits of the film that I did really, really enjoy was actually the intro. Like, you know, that bit where they're climbing down the mountain and the, the, the most striking thing and the most striking thing to me in this whole uh, film experience was probably the, the soundtrack. Like it's very interesting because it's not like classical. It's quite, isn't it done by like a German band or something like, Yes, yeah, I think there's like the opening tracks, like all done on like an Ebo or like with swells or something like that. So, so there's some there's some interesting like there's there's lots of different types of music. There is some more orchestral stuff later mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's kind of quite eerie in parts. Yeah, it felt like it, it wasn't. You know, a lot of films they 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 have they play certain types of music to to get a reaction from the from the audience. This film didn't really seem like it was doing that. It sort of it was sort of just doing its own thing, and it wasn't like trying to force you to have an emotional response. It was just like it was almost like an eeriness to the to the the audio. It was like almost like anotherworldly sort of. It felt yeah, like it was. I mean, I, I'd be interested actually. What did you guys watch it in? Did you watch it dubbed or subtitled? Because because I went back and forth between uh, the the German version and the. English version and the the audio quality was very different like, in terms of the background the, and stuff as well. I watched you it know, in German. Do you know that? Do you guys know the backstory of the English German? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, we can talk about it in a sec. But Darren, what did you watch? What did you? I watched it in English. English. I watched it in English yeah. as well, only because I found it distracting to, and it doesn't normally bother me with the subtitles, but it felt the German one didn't feel like it was correct anyway. So I just decided to go for the English one because I could at least understand it rather than to read and I can sort of take in the 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 you know the visuals a bit more. But it didn't feel like either of them was particularly well set up 
in terms of like it didn't match very well with the with the actual dialogue. Yeah, they they had some issues with the audio. Well, they recorded it all in English because that was yeah. the only language that everyone could speak all together. Because they had like native people from Peru as well as German uh, and uh, American actresses actresses and actors and that was the only language that they could all speak at the same time but when they they overdubbed it in german after the whole recording and it just didn't match up particularly well so that's why it sounds kind of quite awkward well they couldn't because apparently the lead actor his wage requirements were too high so like verna didn't even he was just like got someone else to do the voiceover for him instead yeah, of getting the original dean yeah, that's crazy <laughs> Love it, yeah. Like, crazy guy again. It just I wonder proving that he was a bit of an ass. One of those things where, if you, I mean, this might be completely wrong, but I, would, I wonder if you're not natively a native English speaker, or if you're like German or whatever, you're used to a lot more dubbing, so it's not a big mm. deal if you have to dub your your film because it's like, oh well, most a lot of films we watch are dubbed. They're used to it maybe, whereas for an English speaker who I, I'm not that used to watching stuff dubbed. It was a little bit off-putting. I'd rather watch it subtitled, but it, for some reason, I don't know, it just felt a bit, it just felt a bit odd uh, reading it. I, I don't know, the, the order didn't... I don't know, I wasn't enjoying the order that much. It sort of put me off. I couldn't read... I kept on flicking back and forth between them, and I couldn't read the side on which one I preferred, so I ended up just going with English. So, yeah, so as I was saying, there's lots, lots of practical things that they were doing to try and, like, venture through the jungle. And I thought... Particularly with this film, like in a lot of the other water films we've seen, water is just something that's there and it's kind of, it doesn't really play a massive part. Whereas this, like they're actually travelling along the Amazon River and it's kind of quite treacherous and it almost has a bit of a character of its own. Uh, I know probably like in the abyss, obviously they're surrounded by water, and that's I was kind gonna of say, like, yeah. Um, yeah, the abyss. Like I think some more than others. Like obviously, specific rim isn't really about no, the water not, not, that, that not, much not really. compared to other parts of the film. But yeah, I know you're getting at Johnny. Like, but I, I feel like that those scenes of them on on those rafts because it's all well, real, yeah. well, real people was, on real rafts. Well, like, going I, down it, I was thinking that this is all real. Like it can't it can't have been done any other way. And the fact that they had a horse on there and stuff, you just like, <laughs> and all the camera crew had to be on there. I was thinking about all the problems that you know we read about with Waterworld, and I was like, this must have been even worse because you're on a, on a moving river. Like how? I mean, obviously they would have boats and stuff, but like yeah, that would have been a nightmare to film, I'm sure. Well, there, there was an issue on there. There was somebody with like a flood or something. It was like a massive flood one time, and they just. Do you know when there's like there's a shot where like you see the water like impro like that's like over the top of some of the, I think it's well maybe it was during I don't I mean I lose track of where it was but basically it was a flood, and they just put it into the film. They just were like right yeah we'll just write it in. But yeah, I I just thought that just to. Ha- put people's lives in in danger on these rafts that have been built and like to have a horse in there and like the rafts don't, didn't look like particularly like they just look like rafts they just yeah you know like flat bedded logs all tied together they didn't look like the most streamlined of things to be going down a river especially one with like rapids and stuff like that so it's just sort, sort of thing you know it's a really crazy concept to do and like if you're 
if a director came up to me and said, "Oh, do you want to be in a film?" He'd be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'll be in a film." It's like uh, set in the set in Peru. It's like, "Yeah, yeah, that sounds good." It's like, "Well, you're gonna be on a on a boat going down these rapids." You'd be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'll be not on a boat on a right. raft." <laughs> but and then you get there and it's like a couple of like logs tied together, and there's like a toilet on one, and there's yeah. like like a horse tied up on it, and it's not just like a river it's like rapids and rocks and like waterfalls and stuff and you're just like oh crap i didn't didn't know i was signing up for this apparently Werner herzog was threatened to be shot by klaus kinski on set of while filming this film uh not necessarily because of the the rapids and stuff but just because of the way that he wanted to portray his character i think tensions were quite high throughout I was just reading then about so apparently uh, one of the nights of produ- one of the nights of filming, the uh, there was an, a hut where the cast and crew were playing cards, and uh, apparently <laughs> Klaus Kinski got that so upset with the noise that they were making from playing cards that he shot into the into the hut with a, a Winchester rifle, <laughs> and apparently it took one of the extras' fingers off, one of the tips of his fingers came off. <laughs> Like, this guy's crazy. Yeah. Oh. And for him to get one-third of the the filming budget as well is pretty... Well, apparently, I haven't watched many of Werner Herzog films, but apparently he really liked the actor and he was in a lot of his films. I think he did, he did a film, he did a documentary about him, like about his him and, him and this guy's uh, relationship, which well, is like, interesting. He's the main guy in uh, uh, Fitzcarraldo. Uh, which again I've pronounced really badly. He's the main actor in that, and I think these are the two films that he's best known for in Werner mm. Herzog's um, repertoire. Um, the other thing on production, the scene towards the end of it with all the monkeys. He got four hundred monkeys. I think he got them in America. Well, just reading then, he said apparently he paid for them, but he only wanted to pay half. Half of the uh, half of the uh, amount because he he was worried he was gonna get ripped off. He paid half, and then the people who was, bu- he was buying them off went and sold them to someone else. And then he spoke to the people who were, who had bought them and said, "Oh no, I'm the vet. They need to have some uh, veterinary test done before I can give you them." And then he just took them. <laughs> he just stole them and took them to to Peru with him and let them go. But that that was such an odd scene. Like like again. It does. It does like. It does does the, the whole like it got, eventually you know going into sort of madness. The film sort of descends into madness. It do, It sort of. He does. He does a lot of good practical things to help with that. Like how how did he manage to get a boat up on onto the tree? I was really confused at that. I was like, well, he must have put that tree boat up on there. If he's part of the film, unless it just happened to be. I'm there. pretty sure there's just think. a random boat. Just an itch in a tree in the Amazon. I'm pretty sure. Because it looked like a modern boat as well. It didn't look like a boat from like the 1500s or something. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, he's he's got like a steamboat over the top of a mountain, so who knows what he's capable of. So are there any issues with the film? Did Did you, is there anything that you didn't agree with or like you weren't a fan of? Go on, Aaron. Unleash the unleash your opinion. I hated this film, like fully, fully hated it. Like Heather came in 
and she said to me that you look so angry or something along those lines or you look more and more angry every time I come in to check on you like I was like wishing for it to finish I was like please just be the end please I just need to leave I just cannot deal with this it was like an endurance test rather than like an a film experience like I hated the lead actor the story was just like okay great like and I kept being like reminded of the fact that it's big like you know Apocalypse Now is apparently this is a massive influence on that and I can totally 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 see why doesn't mean to say it's a good film like uh, you, you you can be influenced by anything and everything that doesn't make a film good like the lead what were you what were your problems right the lead the lead guy like it didn't really seem like because it was based off a true story right uh, it's, a, it's a fictional Loosely? it's a fictional story but it's kind of yeah, it's based around these these Spanish conquistadors sort of coming to South America, trying to find this city of gold, which all these Aboriginal tribes made up for like these new settlers to try and kind of like waste their time and set their hopes on that. So, mm-hmm. like all these people are taking our land, so let's just make up this kind of fable and say, oh, do you know about this lost city of gold? So, when all these new people came to South America, they would head off and try and find this place which didn't really exist yeah i didn't hate the lead guy i really didn't like his portrayal of that character the long stretches of just like nothing in the dialogue like it felt really awkward all the time like and i think that's probably due to the the language barriers i suppose i just didn't find it like compelling to watch like or interesting in any way like i just thought i was literally wasting my time i i just fully fully did not enjoy this film like i don't know the music was probably the only redeeming factor genuinely when the score got good it was good and i actually went and googled the band that like made the score and that's you know and and Werner, like i've liked his other films but this just just really just wasn't good like i don't know like i'm sorry i know that like that's two films you've picked now that i've really but i i would watch uh, North by Northwest a hundred times over this film, like 100% of the time. Like, Do, do you not do you think not... it was interesting to see like all these actors and how this film just was made in a setting which was really inhospita- in- inhospitable to people making a film like on this river, like with no effects, just on a really low budget, being flown out. The amount of actors and actresses, there must have been about 200 in those opening shots maybe uh, yeah and just like in these really hard places did you not find even that interesting i don't find it interesting and i find it really um uncomfortable to watch like a, to watch these like people struggle carrying like these people in these wooden and i know like that's in actual those actual times in that time of history or whatever um that's what it would have been like but that was uncomfortable for me to watch i was like oh this is just awkward and like just watching them struggle through the mud i was just like yo i'm okay this is uncomfortable but i knew at the start of the film i knew that that was going to be like that i knew that it wasn't going to be an uncomfortable watch because apocalypse now a descendant into madness and like you know the start result to the end result is like complete it's like chaos isn't it and i get yeah, but that it's so much more watchable oh, as a film absolutely like or like you know full metal jacket like again 
crazy but like very interesting to watch whereas this was just i find it really uncomfortable and then it was like the bits towards the end you know when like they were getting shot by the arrows and the guy was like oh i've been shot in the leg i don't feel the pain anymore and i was like that's yep cool man cool i just hated it (laughs) like mm, and again it's a different sort of hit than Halloween. Like, Halloween was just a bad film. Like, a bad film. Whereas this was just, like, I personally... I personally hated this film. I don't... You know, I don't... Like, I, I was... Oh, man. I mean, afterwards, I went and I spent about maybe 40 minutes just reading, like, Rotten Tomato reviews. And people were like, this is amazing. I can't believe how good this film is. And I was just like, did we watch the same film? Really? Because that was just... Like, it was so bad. Oh, man. This film had a lot of redeeming qualities. <laughs> Sorry. I, I liked some of the things it was trying to do. But as a film, and this might just be because of what we're used to now as like we've grown up spoiled because we've been able to watch some of the best films yeah, lucky, ever made. Yeah, lucky. Um, is that it's not digestible at all. It doesn't go down smoothly at all. It's very slow and very staggered and it, it is interesting to see them like to see this, this descent and then them going along the river and them slowly falling apart as like a little and as a little mini society or whatever and there are some cool interesting scenes i i, I honestly think that part of it is i mean i don't know I, I'd, I'd love to know what it was what how it was received when it first came out but i feel like it's built up such a, a cult following mm. and such a like uh a, a, a mystique around the making of the film and around like all the crazes that went on behind the, the scenes and all the different interesting stories, which are cool and are interesting, but that I think is taken over more of that than the actual. I mean, saying that, I, I do know. I mean, I can understand why people, some people, would like this film. Like, it's got a very, a very, it's a very like pondering, and I can see why certain people would would like this film. Like, it has a sort of. What's the word? It's sort of... Um... I, th- I think if you can trudge through episode 20 of Twin Peaks and still just keep going, then this film's probably a bit more up your street. But if, you, if you're if you struggling to get past that... That's really good. ...then you're probably... It's probably not going to give you the hit that you're after. Mm. I, I just think, like, for some people who really like this sort of tone more, I guess... It's sort of like the sort of sadness and futile feeling of the whole film. Like they're in this horrible situation. There's nothing they can do. They can't. They can't get out of it. They're just stuck, and they have to just continue to carry on going. It's Aaron. When you were saying just then that when you were watching it, it felt like a, a trial versus like something you actually watch. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's almost the intention of yeah, the film. Yeah, it's, I think so it's, too. it's trying to make you understand how difficult. You know, it, like their task was, and how like how horrible like what their own view was. I don't think that makes it a enjoyable film to watch. Now, that's where you get into the weirdness of what's you know enjoyable versus yeah. good. Yeah. Like maybe mm-hmm. it, it is a good film, mm-hmm. but it it may but you don't enjoy it. Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. like a weird thing there. So like for me, for me, I, I didn't enjoy the film watching the film at all. Uh, there was a few scenes I enjoyed, but. but majority of it i was just like this isn't as a whole like it wasn't i wouldn't choose to watch something like this i think 
I would rather watch a documentary about the making of this film. <laughs> I, like that's what I'd prefer to watch. Did you guys find that like did it, or I find that it stuck with me for like a couple of maybe a week or two afterwards. I'd watch like even though I didn't enjoy it and I didn't want to think about it, um, it was in my head. Did you guys find the same thing? Yeah, maybe. I mean, there's like particular lines and stuff in the film which are like are so outlandish. Uh, like where he talks about uh, if I say it, the birds will fall out of the trees and stuff like that. Sticks in my head, and also just like them in the rafts and like going down down the river. I think that's like the parts of the film that's sticking in my head the most. But yeah, it 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 is something that I've been obviously because I'm talking about it now. But yeah, it it does did seem to stick with me longer than uh, some of the other films that we've watched. Mm, the the few scenes that stuck with me were like it's more visual. Like I didn't really get a lot from the from the from the dialogue. Like it felt, yeah. To me, I wasn't really. I mean, I was trying to pay attention to it, but it didn't really struck. It didn't strike me too much. What got me was some of the visual stuff. So, the part where they kicked the horse off the the raft. And then you've got this horse. So the horse is wearing this um, mask that it were, that they would wear in, the, I guess, in like a sort of medieval time, whatever. When they're doing their sort of I don't jousting, know, <laughs> what, jousting, and then the knights riding horses, or whatever. And has this like blue mask going it is over heads. It's got this really big hole for the for the eyes, and it was like yeah, kicked off the raft, and it just goes into the into the the forest, into the jungle, and like starts and looks out onto the river. And you just get this really haunting visual of this horse. It's like it's really creepy. I don't mm. know what it was. Just like really still. Like it's, it's like it's like it's joined in to like, to become one with the jungle. And it just like that that sort of quietness was like really sort of that was really impactful mm. and quite moving. And, like, it was maybe the thirtieth like, take for the horse. Oh yeah, probably. <laughs> horses horses probably fed up. <laughs> um so that was really good. And then like the monkey stuff was just like what is like this is just bizarre, but like that whole part with him um, wandering around on the raft with the monkeys and talking about how he's him and his daughter are going to repopulate the tribe or whatever and gonna they're gonna they're gonna create their own civilization and stuff is just like bizarre. Um, and then the other, the other the other scene I really enjoyed was just the simple simplicity of when the uh, princess I don't know if it's a princess I think I think it's a princess but whoever the the woman was who was married to the guy who got shot. Of her, sort of, just deciding after after her husband died, just deciding to, I'm just gonna walk into the jungle and just give myself to the jungle and just, and yeah, that was really haunting. Like, she just didn't want to. I guess she didn't want to be, she didn't want to be a victim. She wanted to just go and mm-hmm. take herself out in her own way. It was quite quite moving, but in terms of like. Yeah, I wasn't apart from that. There wasn't a lot that I really enjoyed too much about this film. Sorry, Johnny. I mean, if if I if I was wanting to pick a film to uh, to get likes, then I'd have chosen something a little more easy like to digest, <laughs> rather than uh, than something in German. I'm glad I watched it though because it's one of those it's one of those things that I've been you know I've loved to watch more of his films because I've heard so much about them. So I'm, I'm glad. Yeah. I think there's films that, like, you'll see them on the IMDb Top 250 and you'll be like, I've never heard of that, 
but I feel like it's something that I should watch just to get some kind of perspective on that type of cinema. And not everything's like an easy watch. Like another film that uh, Werner Herzog, I think he was a producer on, was called The Act of Killing, which is about a, mm. a genocide. Um, and it focused on this guy who like, would be an executioner and it kind of follows him talking about all these executions that he did and uh, there was a, you know, what he used to do is say, oh, well, I'd, I'd get this piece of metal uh, wire and uh, you'd make it into a loop and you'd, like, put it around the neck and you'd pull it really tight and this would be the most efficient way to kill people and I could get through 40 people killing killing 40 people in a day. Uh, and then you're watching that and you think, gosh, I've paid £8 to watch this in the cinema. I don't, I don't really know if this is the sort of thing I want to watch, but I think there's some elements of cinema which aren't easy to watch, but, you know, sometimes it's important to know these things. Maybe with Agri Wrath of God, maybe that it's not the most important of subjects, but I think, you know, cinema can do quite a lot more than just kind of entertain you and... Yeah, um, I agree. You know, give you a warm, fuzzy feeling inside. Yeah, I mean, it, again, it is, like, subjective, isn't it? Like, it's not like I don't like challenging films or, you know, it's not like... I don't know, I, I, I think a lot of the times like, I go to cinema, like, for beauty or inspiration. Like, we were chatting about this, like... I was chatting with Heather the other day about like you know Heather said oh we could just sit down and just watch loads of films but you sort of get nothing done and then I was like well when I watch like Blade Runner like I come away and I'm inspired to like go write music or you know be creative so being challenged you know film does a lot of different things but this was one area of film that I think I was like I'm not in like get get me out of here um but I do think you're right, though, in a sense that it's good to challenge yourself and it's good to not. It's obviously not for everyone. Some people, there's nothing wrong with going to see like the latest Fast and Furious film and then just taking you know that at face value. Um, but like I think for 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 someone like me personally, I think it is good to go watch films like this. It is good. I just need to prepare myself that sometimes I'm going to be sat there and it's okay to turn it off. Yeah, I think I think one of the reasons why I struggled with this film was that going into it, I knew nothing about it. So I wasn't expecting to have to sit through some of the things that wanted me to sit through. I think if I had gone into it being like, okay, this is going to be really slow, quite a quiet film, it's going to just, you know, it's going to centre around one long, arduous sort of journey. I might have gone in a bit better prepared, which is like difficult because sometimes you don't want to go with anything. You want to just, mm. you just want to be experience it like completely fresh. Although I did go in knowing that it was super high rated on on like on like Rotten Tomatoes and stuff. Like it's got a ninety eight percent Rotten Tomato meter, which again I just don't understand. Like doesn't make any sense to me. I, I think but, like, a lot of the people who like this film, like really like this film. Uh, yeah, yeah, they yeah, looking through the reviews, like it's like most of them are from the two thousands onwards. So mm. obviously, like it would have, it's people who've gone back, rewatched it, or have been part of a sort of a cult following of it. It's probably, I would love to know what it, yeah, what the reviews were like when it first came out. Yeah, I've just, I've just got um before we do wrap it up, I've just got I've created a little game. Just told Anna about the little game. So it's called film titles. 
change change the change the title to <laughs> Oh Aaron, that's to reflect. such a good name. Change the title. That's it, that's what it's called. So I've got uh, a gross way to waste my time. Aguri, <laughs> why did you put me through this? Aguri, I don't think I'm getting that time back. Aaron, the wrath of Johnny's film choice. <laughs> Just some working titles um, that I came up with. Uh, I've, got, I've got a title. Oh, yeah, hit me up. Aguri, better than me, Leonard Zyger. Oh, <laughs> is it though? Is it? No, yeah. <sighs> yeah, but did you like? Did you want to switch Mural and the Dying Girl off though? Like, did you like? Was it getting you angry? Like, no film experience should make me feel. Unless I'm watching a documentary about like, like, you know, Nazis or something. I shouldn't be getting angry at watching it. We shouldn't be feeling like I don't want this. I want to switch it off. I nearly, I nearly, nearly did, but then I was like, if I switch this off, then, like, what kind of, whatever, like, well, you know. But maybe that's your challenge. I feel like we're stealing from the next episode. So yeah, it's true. Mm. Uh, next time we'll be looking at uh, comparing all the eight films. Is it no six films that we've we've six. spoken about uh, six in this water theme series? So and we'll be deciding who is the winner. So join us next time. And who is the loser? Who is the loser? <laughs> who is the loser? Wonder who that's going to be. Mm. Um, so yeah, so I hope you can join us again next time. And uh, yeah, see you soon. See you soon. Bye bye. <laughs>